Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I can't believe it's already Friday. I cannot believe that it is December. Audrey, I'm telling you, it's like super fast forward. Super fast forward and, and a busy oh, week ahead. And a busy week ahead. We have a busy week coming up because I, we're headed. What's going on? I know there's to, lots. To, we're headed to Boston and we're headed to New York right after that and like all in one week all in one week right and what are we going out there for Remind well, we're me going this. out there to to Boston to, to to bring a whole bunch of startup founders to meet some investors and strategic partners I love that we like and we like yeah doing I love I love doing that right yeah. so you know we received a few dozen um, applications for people who wanted to to come and uh, it's our job to connect them with investors who yeah. don't know much about Pittsburgh, probably don't know much about these companies other than the dossier information right. that we've shared. So both Boston and And then New after York that investors. we go to New York, okay. right, to then rekindle the relationships that we've cultivated over time with investors. Right. So let's back up one step. So in Boston, there's a venture capital conference going on there, correct? And yes, there taking, is. So through that, we're, we're taking right. about and then, 15 entrepreneurs. Right. And to, they're going to get a chance yeah. to go to that conference as well. Fantastic. And then so on top of that, we'll also connect them with additional investors. Additional huh? investors, which I think is really interesting because we'll be in front of a lot of uh, in- investors from the Boston area. They can see what Pittsburgh deal flow looks like. Right. We've got some great companies that could be right. nice mm-hmm. additions right. to our and portfolio. And you never know. And the other thing is it's not just uh, the investor opportunity. It's the opportunity for customers and strategic Everything. partnerships. Right. right. So then, and partnerships that, you know, just because we don't have many of those, you know, similar companies that are right. based here in Pittsburgh. I like it. And we've been doing this for a while. I mean, this is something we have. We, we ramp it up. So. Right. Yeah. We, we go. Mm-hmm. And I know always in December we go, we go out to New York, which, which we should right. out next. That's part of the PA society. That right. We have. We usually, have but we usually do something in. special for entrepreneurs so that right. they can get connected to partners and to, you know, new relationships and get the word out there. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's exciting because it's one of those things where, you know, a couple a couple connections like that can make all the difference. And yeah, and we've we've harvested some relationships over the years that right. have really developed across the region. There are people that are at Carnegie Mellon that are, have open office hours now and you know, have looked around and invested. We've made sure that it also teaches people how to build and forge those relationships, which are very tricky. Very, they're very, very tricky. tricky. No, very often, point. it's based, you know, not just on your, you know, your intellectual property or your actual idea, mm-hmm. but it's based upon your team. It's right. based upon the relationship. It's, it's you know, looking at good ways to um, have smart money, um, not just any money. And the, you know, the because smart money. Mm-hmm. the smart money matters. You can take your eye off the ball as a founder if you're not really getting the right kinds of people that are investing and and additive. So we know going out to these you know bigger cities, these bigger places where there's much more capital that's free, free or flowing, that that just helps and that adds validation and it adds sure. practice and Absolutely. connections and longer term relationships. 
So when's the next time we're going out to the uh, Silicon Valley? I, mean, I know. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, we should go out in the spring, I would imagine. 2018. I, I would say we'll be in, the, a trip in the out spring. There. Right. Our I'm trip that we had last time way was, was really cool. Way cool. Way cool. I, I mean, was, that's we did. you did a media show, right? We did a media show. It was last October. Last October, just a little more than a year ago. Right. That's why I'm saying time is flying right. so quickly because it seems like maybe a couple of weeks ago, we were in Silicon Valley doing something similar to this, and right. now I'm realizing that this week we're going to be in Boston and in New York City. It's like, right. no wonder why it's going to be 2018 before. <laughs> no wonder why never... we take a couple of weeks off. <laughs> exactly. It's like Christmas <laughs> break and Hanukkah break, etc. It's, et it's, it's, right. it's kind of nuts. It's kind of nuts, but that's what it's what keeps it fun and keeps us kind of moving forward as far as. That mm-hmm. is. Well, it's really about the world. It's not just about Pittsburgh. Yeah, people can live anywhere. And so it's really about what comes out of here mm-hmm. that is changing different market sectors. Yeah. So I have a question for you. As we're approaching 2018, what would you say would be one of your biggest wishes for the Pittsburgh region in 2018? For something to either happen or start to happen or see more of? Or... Well, one is I love the work that's been going on in the airport for the last you know, couple a of years. Good point there. And I'd Definitely. really, and I really want us to obviously continue to support the airport, but doing that means people need to fly. Yes. We so should I'd all like book trips somewhere. We should everyone book, book a trip. Yes. To go somewhere. I'm because going Because that's, that is what matters. It's about having people in flight, going places, coming back. Whether it's business or, tr- or, or leisure, either way. Right. But book, book a trips and make sure that you're, you know, a part of helping us in that piece of our transportation. Um, listen, I like this whole idea of bicycles. Me too. <laughs> I do. You're I mean, I'm not, right a cy- I'm not a cyclist. I'm an, right. in- I'm an indoor cyclist. Nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> yeah, right. If the legs are in circles, it's a good <laughs> thing. Absolutely. Um, but, I, you know, I'd like to see some ways that we could be a little bit more inclusive on, on the cycling piece. And that it's not, um, it becomes that there's more, even more people on the road cycling. I like that. You know? And we've seen so much more. Have you seen, have you seen so much more? I mean, I like. I've been a commuter. Yeah, how long? Off and on. 20 years? For 20 plus years now. And I can honestly say that, you know, 15 years ago when I rode my bike to work, you didn't see too many other folks on bicycles. You just didn't. It was a rare thing. And now when I ride to work, I see regulars. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's it's like the same people you see in traffic in your car. Really? <laughs> yes. And I love that because I'm seeing more people on a bicycle. But I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I can talk about the need for infrastructure and, you know, the Port Authority and, and all those things. But, you know, obviously everyone's taking a piece of the pie and trying to work sure. on things. And I always encourage anyone, if you're considering riding your bike to work, just try it. Don't be afraid of it. It, it might hurt a little bit on some hills, but a little bit of pain never hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel better. When you get to work, you'll feel like a million bucks. And when you get home from work, you'll feel like a million bucks because you've had right. this half an hour to an hour of your own time in your head, just pedaling along, right. looking at nature, 20 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour. Four miles an hour. Four miles an hour. Whatever it is, as long as you're on two wheels, you're going to have a better time than sitting in your car. That's all I can say. And I love my cars, too. But I also, <laughs> the last thing is I'd like to see more walking. That's good as well. Make it more walkable in places. Make it more walkable. Make it so people think... They think three times before they get in their car. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm trying to keep my cars for entertainment purposes only. I think you try to keep your car so they never see the street. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Certain cars don't go out in the wet. He buys a car and, it, oh, it's going to rain today. No, that's what the car is for. No. You can walk on those other days or you can ride your bicycle. No. 
<laughs> I know I'm crazy. I can't help it. Uh, dude, we've got a, we've got a great show in front of us we today. Do. We are doing a double deep dive with the one and only David Hickton. I know. I'm very this guy's excited about amazing. that. Amazing. He's got some new stuff happening at Pitt, which I cannot wait to talk to him about. I mean, he's just he brings so much knowledge when it comes to cybersecurity and, and issues like that. I, I can't wait to, to talk with David. And we also have Jeff Whitehead from Pacey stopping by today. And uh, so, so Pacey is the Pennsylvania Council for International Education. They've been around since 1969. He's going to fill us in with what's going on there. So I'm pumped up. And I can't believe we're taking off for New York and Boston <laughs> this week. It's like, oh, man, 2018, here we come. Let's hope there's, there's more bicycles and walking and all that kind of fun stuff. Anyway, we're taking a quick break. We're coming right back. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. And we are from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us and the way we can help your company succeed by going to pghtech.org and then follow us on Twitter at pghtech. Hey there. So happy you were able to join us tonight for Tech Vibe Radio bringing you all the great stuff that's happening in Pittsburgh's technology sector. And part of that sector is, you know, it, it, it comes down to the education, Audrey, without a doubt. Like, people getting experiences, getting their education from different corners of the world, bringing that back. Oh, I think it's it an their, imperative. Their companies. Absolute like, imperative, yeah. You're talking to me. Absolutely. I mean, so let's get it right. And, and I'm going to say, like, this this is an organization I did not know about until Sabina Korolupi contacted me. I know. Me. It's awesome. She, she's from she's from CompuNetix and Chorus Call and that great family company. And has spent most of her time right. traveling around the world. Traveling around the world. And she she told me about this organization. I'm like, we got to get them on the show because this is an important part of our ecosystem. And we want our listeners to know all about it. So that's why we have Jeff Whited here from Pacey. And that Pacey stands for the... The Pennsylvania Council for International Education. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, man. So it was established in 1969. Right. It's almost 50 years old. Yep. Aha. Wow. Sending people abroad for quite a while. Though. For quite a while. It was <laughs> established. Yeah, so, talk about, so talk about what that means. So you're the director of the study of abroad office at the University Center for International Studies. That's correct. At P- the University of Pittsburgh. That's correct. So, but what is the role in helping guide the state? What, is, what does it mean in terms of a leadership role? So... As you say, I'm the director of uh, Pitt's Study Abroad Office. Pitt is one of the founding members of PACI, and the organization was created 50 years ago to establish best practices for running study abroad. It has broadened considerably since those days. It now includes everything from K to 20, and we we call that everything from kindergarten to postgraduate education. Absolutely. Right, right. So as a member of PACI, we try to help the state understand the needs of the next generation's workforce. Right, right, right. What we're trying to do right now is work on a task force. The resolution was passed last month that would enable the state to get a sense for what we think are important skills for students to be learning all throughout their educational career. Okay, that makes sense. And the, the uh, council itself is made up of people, a wide range of people from across the state, uh, educators as well as some people from the business sector, uh, that all come together several times a year to discuss what the current trends are, what best practices are, what right. we see the future holding, and so that we can make sure that we get it right and so inform the What are those sector. trends? What is going yeah, on out what there? Are the trends? So the trends are more, more people studying abroad, uh, more people wanting to engage in global education, which is larger than just study abroad now. I mean, right. also, What's it'll, the difference? So the difference, global education encompasses study abroad, but it also talks about uh, and talks to people who either can't afford to go, don't want to go, or don't think they can ah. access it for other reasons. So we do a lot more than we used to uh, on college campuses uh, that to help, to help uh, students gain what we consider global competence, which are a set of school a set of skills that uh, are are pretty well studied now that encourage things like awareness 
and uh, intercultural integrity and communication, uh, skill acquisition such as language learning, uh, as well as complex problems that are that are vested in real-world problems as opposed to things in the abstract. And we so find actually that, working in a locale, having an opportunity to do an internship. Or- yeah, all of, those, all of those types of things, including in our home communities in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and other places throughout the state, as well as going abroad. Um, one of the key differences, though, is that we try now, instead of to work more in the abstract, to actually work with the communities themselves, uh, to work with, including communities in the local area, to make sure that we can work with the with the very diverse people that we have to try to craft the best workforce for Pennsylvania. That's what it's well, all about. You know, right. I worry when I first moved here in 2001, and I don't know how much it's changed and if you have any data on this, but I'm going to try to put you on the spot. How many people over the age of 18 in southwestern Pennsylvania or in Pennsylvania have a passport? Oh boy, that's that is very very difficult to know. Uh, though I bet you it's not many. It's not many, yeah. um, and we see that even in our study abroad numbers, right. where roughly half of our students, and we send about two thousand students abroad, roughly half of them come into our office for the first time with no passport. So the first thing that we're coaching them how to do, and, and we have passport drives all the time. It took Audrey three years to convince me to get my passport. No, so I was are. mortified I that I had someone who worked for me. I know. That didn't go out of the country. No. I, I, I like the I contiguous love Jonathan. I know. I was freaking out. Like, how do we relate to one another? She kept threatening so to send fi- me out of the country. I know. And I said, I can't I, go. It would be like every other month. <laughs> I'm like, tried. I can't no. go. I can't leave. No. But now I can because I got my passport and we went to Iceland. We went right to on. Iceland. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, but that's only and the that's start, a, buddy. That, that's a good starter that's country to go only, to. That's the only the starter country. Yes. You ever hear, this is not yeast. No, okay. it is from a from a person who's afraid of international travel to go to a place where people are friendly and they speak English and you don't feel like you're infringing on them because I don't know the foreign language. It's a great place to go and get get your feet wet. Just saying. So that we would consider sort of phase one of global competence. Exactly. Right? So phase we one. have different. Uh, there's I like this. There's layers to this, Uh-oh. and that's more or less an awareness phase, right? right? Where you understand that there's a life outside of your own bubble. That's right. Um, you're not entirely familiar or comfortable with it, right? But you know that it's there, and you know in some respects it's neat, and there's things to see. Yeah, we try actually to get our students to get down into some of those deeper levels. Where, See, I wish I would have been part of that in wait, college. Is there? A, can I enroll him in any of this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course, she'll do Come it too. <laughs> I will do it. I got my passport. If there's a way, I will do it. <laughs> so we do, and, and Pacey and, and a number of of other organizations within the Pittsburgh area, as well as within Pennsylvania, do work with with adult learners. We also both in in Pittsburgh as well as these kinds of enrichment trips overseas. Uh, that we do try very hard to make it not just a student-focused enterprise, but also a larger community-focused enterprise, so that we can have Just keep pointing at me, <laughs> yeah. so that we can broaden, uh, so that we can broaden the perspective, particularly of, uh, from Pacey's perspective, Pennsylvania writ large, but but from my right. perspective, right. university-wise, right. Uh, caring mostly about Western Pennsylvania in, in this context. I mean, to me, a target condition. I was once the board chair of the World Affairs Council. To me, a target condition is that every single student that graduates has a passport. No, they actually oh. went somewhere and it wasn't and Cancun. Go someplace with their passport. It is the ideal. I mean, that's it, what I want. I want us to be known that every single student that graduated had an opportunity 
to be outside of the U.S. That's right, and and, and not just Canada or Mexico. Also true, though. I would my friends in Canada and Mexico would, would debate that with you. Um, the uh, the <laughs> they think that we should go there. Oh yeah, without yeah, a doubt, I love without I doubt. love those places. But when people go to 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 um, okay, I will take Canada out because I could see that one. But I don't want to hear about people going to you know Cancun for. Cancun maybe for not spring break Caratera maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe so in terms okay. of in terms of locations and things like that right. the universities have worked really hard as have schools uh, school districts themselves um, to provide as many opportunities as they can to actually get students out of the country uh, and and the reality is that not everyone will or can go so what we have done is turned a lot of our attention to what we can do as as a state uh, to help foster some of the same types of skills that we can uh, even if they are not able to make it out of the country themselves. Uh, but, but ideally, you're right, Audrey. I mean, we would want all of, our, all of our students as well as the community members to have an opportunity at least to be able to leave these shores and, and gain some perspective um, as well as some information and some, some uh, cultural yeah. competence. From, and from, confidence. That's right. Confidence. That's right. I mean, the amount of confidence that you are – I mean, in Europe, it's almost required, Right. It's yes, in terms of it's ease of access, common, it's much right. it's much easier than it is here, uh, and and in some respects, we've made it a lot easier to avail yourself of, so- of these types like of that. experiences. It sounds like that. Most what notably, could we do to be helpful? I uh, be present. Okay. So, in terms of the the listeners out there to to work with us, where can they learn more about you? How can they how can on they the website uh, yeah. pacey dot org dot org p a c i e dot o r g Okay, uh, we'll have it. We have information about the resolution up there as well as some right. of the other uh, right. some of the other teaching tools that we try to provide. Our conferences. Uh, we are interested in hearing from particularly the corporate and technological sectors so that we can yeah. have more involvement. That's what we're trying, the, to, trying to do. You know, the intelligence gathering from, from you guys so that right. we know Absolutely. what we should be pitching to the state as we're saying, here are the skills that people need to know. Here are the right. tools that they need to have to be more effective as uh, employees moving forward. Very cool. I'm so glad you stopped by I am today. too. Yeah, this I is, am too. I'm I, signing Jonathan up. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. Thanks for having me, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the work that you're doing yeah. and you. that you've been leading the way in terms of this and I love these kinds of conversations and let's put them into action. Right on. That was Jeff Whitehead from Pacey. Go to Pacey.org and learn all about them. What a great resource here. So glad you could stop by. Thanks for having us. Hey everybody, we're taking a quick break. We're coming back with a lot more Tech Vibe Radio, I swear. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn more learn more about us at pghtech.org. So glad you could join us here on Tech Vibe Radio tonight. We love bringing the best of what's happening in Pittsburgh's technology scene. Every single Friday night we do it, and I can't, I can't get too excited about it because I'll tell you what, I don't know, we're honored to do it. That's all I can say, Audrey. Is that not I'm true? I'm very honored. We get, this, I'm very honored to have this gentleman in the house with us right now. This is like technology royalty. Well, it's even beyond that. He's sort of a blend of a lot of things, yeah, and I mean, that's what we're going to do a little bit legal, of a dive on. There's legal stuff there. There's so, tech stuff, security you know, stuff. Uh, we have All the pleasure of, of having the David Hickton on our show, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about just, you know, him being the U.S. Uh, attorney general, I, I mean, the U.S. attorney here in Pittsburgh, but we're also going to talk about his sort of trajectory that he's had and the impact that he's made that many people just really don't yeah. understand. And every time I listen to him, when I hear him publicly or I've had a chance to talk to him, Personally, I say, well, this isn't under, this isn't 
underexposed story exactly. in terms of the work here. And the new work at Pitt. Well, and his new work at I Pitt. Mean, That's what I meant, this yeah, whole, this the, whole the, journey. The trajectory towards that. That's so what I'm uh, we're going we're gonna to really jump in so that we can have a candid conversation and um, you know, really sit back and listen because he's, he's had a really interesting view of the landscape of uh, what many of us only see sort of the icing of in terms of security and breaches and criminal activity and, you know, this sort of sensationalism of it. So thank you sure. for being here tonight. Good to be here. It's so great to be here. What a lead-in. I don't know if I can live up to See, that. I'm saying, right? man. And uh, so let, let's just start. Just you know, I don't want you to start when I was a baby. I used to do this. But sort of give us the, the abbreviated but interesting piece of your professional life and, and where you've landed as of today. Sure. I um, went to Penn State undergrad and came home here to go to the University of Pittsburgh for law school. Okay. And right after law school, I clerked for Judge Gustav Diamond in federal court, which was really the keystone of my professional career. Um, being a law clerk to a federal judge is generally a great experience, but to do it for such a wonderful person and great mentor as Gus Diamond really set me on the trajectory that hmm. that uh, put hmm. me where I am today. Judge Diamond was a former U.S. attorney in the Kennedy administration. Oh, wow. And a federal judge and a real stickler for the fine attention to detail and the reliance upon the rule of law, which became the cornerstones of my career, I think. Um, after working for Judge Diamond, I worked in two private law firms, and I was really blessed to capture the job of my professional dreams, which was U.S. Attorney, a job I had always wanted, a position that I considered to be the most dynamic center of mm -hmm. uh, public service. And how and long were you a U.S. Attorney for? I was U.S. Attorney from August 2010 through November 2016. Wow, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that uh, for six-plus years, really gave it all I had. I have absolutely no regrets about it. Mm -hmm. I left the job pretty satisfied that I had done the best I could. And I was blessed to be asked by Chancellor Pat Gallagher at the University of Pittsburgh to come over and start something very new and exciting, which is a cyber institute that had did not exist before. Exactly, right, right. So it's the University of Pittsburgh Institute of Saw, Cyber Law Policy and Security. And I'm also a professor of law, and I have secondary appointments in several other colleges at the university. So it's been a wonderful run, very exciting, and uh, more to come. Well, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. But you also had some pivotal moments in terms of your role as a U.S. attorney. Can we talk about a couple of those sure. milestones? I mean, sure. you know, we know that there was a Chinese breach into some of our major corporations, and then there was an indictment thereafter. Right. Can you share that it was a little bit with too. us? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, those uh, those cases will follow me forever, but if, if you made a list of the top four, five, even ten cases of cyber law enforcement in the federal government, Pittsburgh probably has four. And the first and biggest of them all would be the case against the Chinese Army which happened in May 2014. We indicted five identified members of the People's Liberation Army of China, Unit 61398. We put their pictures on the back of the indictment, and we put a schedule of how they hacked 
iconic American institutions like right. U.S. Steel, say, yeah, right. Westinghouse, Alcoa, United Steelworkers of America, ATI, yeah. and a solar company in, a, in uh, Oregon. And then two weeks after that, we indicted Eugeny Bogachev, who's pretty much accepted as the most celebrated Russian hacker in the world. And uh, we, we indicted him for uh, Game Over Zeus, a botnet that was stealing people's financial right. information, and also CryptoLocker, a ransomware, which is the first time that happened. Oh, I didn't realize that was tied into this. That was tied wow. in. And we also... because wow, huh. we didn't hear much of ransomware until after that. Exactly. Yeah, that was the first ransomware prosecution. And we also did a civil enforcement against him where we seized his criminal domain and we did a patch for the victims through the Department of Homeland Security, which was also novel. And then in uh, July 2015, we did the Dark Code case, which was the number one cyber forum for cyber hackers. And then in, right after I left, the, the week after I left, the, the office announced the hack of Avalanche, which was the architecture for most spear phishing. So, right. so if you look at uh, those cases together with Silk Road up in New York and Zaleznev in Seattle and and maybe the Iranian hacker case also done in New York. Those are pretty much the top tier cases. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that didn't happen by accident because when I went in there in 2010, we decided that we were gonna go after the big issues of the day and national security and cyber was one. I also worked on the heroin problem mm -hmm. right. and chaired the National Definitely. Heroin Task yeah. Force. And we worked there. Yeah, that, 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 with all that great work on the cyber side, that kind of overshadowed all the great work you were doing along with the heroin and everything. Thank you. Like yeah, that, that right. was great work. We also did the um, really, I think, um, pathbreaking work on community police trust after the Jordan Miles case. Did the EDMC case, the for-profit college oh, right. case. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I knew up, you were busy. Yeah. I didn't realize you were this busy. <laughs> opened up a human trafficking section that within meant, our right. civil rights mm -hmm. section. So Jeez. I had a wonderful team around me, and, and the goal was to focus on the big issues, and we did. So how interesting is it to take this experience and then take that to pit with the cyber stuff that right. you're going to be doing? And build something and that's build totally something. new. I mean, that's, you were yeah. literally in the trenches on the front lines of this. And now to, to bring that knowledge and expertise to and, and get that to lots of people and empower yeah. them with it. And work across all these disciplines. And work across all these disciplines, right? Yeah. That's why yeah. I was saying tech and legal right. and everything before. Well, thanks. It's very exciting. It's wonderful to be around young people in a college environment. And the truth is, as U.S. attorney, much of the work I did was sort of secret, and, and I was on a need-to-know basis. So I had really reduced my network of right. people to a small group. So I remember the first couple of days I was at Pitt, I felt like I had gone to Times Square. Everyone was around and everyone was <laughs> like, yeah, hey! Culture change. But I think the uh, the opportunity to extend my work off this platform is really a blessing. I'm very lucky. Right. It's not only that we were working on these big issues, but it isn't like they're solved. I mean, every day you pick oh, up the paper right, or you watch TV, up, right. there's a cyber issue, it's the Equifax hack, you know, the uh, Russian hacking right. of our election. And the opioid problem, right. the recent stories on 60 Minutes in the Washington Post about uh, how bad the opioid problem was and how the government, both Congress and the DEA, got in the way of what mm -hmm. we were trying to do. So I feel very fortunate to have a job after being U.S. attorney. I will tell you. See, I'd be on the beach relaxing right now if I were you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. you're That'd like, be a nope, nope, nope. I know, that, I know. That's, that's why I'm so glad that uh, he's uh, not me because he's doing the good work. I don't think I have that in my DNA. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs>
But I think that uh, the U.S. attorney is really the best job in law. Most lawyers will tell you that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, accomplished people have had it. Dick Thornburg had it. Bob Mueller yeah. had it. Eric Holder had it. Loretta Lynch had it. Um, you know, many other very prominent people who went on to other jobs. And each one of them that I've met and talked to pined for their experience as U.S. attorney. It's kind of like being in the Navy and having your own ship with no admiral to tell you where to go. I was never once told what to do. I hmm. was encouraged. So you were the CEO. Yeah, I was yeah. encouraged and I was given support. And I had a small organization of only 50 lawyers here, so we were very right. nimble. And we were out of Washington, which was a blessing, but we were close enough that we could be relevant. And because Pittsburgh is still seen as a major market right. and a major city, so I had tremendous support, had great help from the FBI in particular on the cyber. And local law enforcement became a really key ally. I got really close to the local police chiefs and mm -hmm. the county police chief and the sheriff. Bill Mullen was a great partner. So I was very lucky. Well, I think luck is part of it. Hmm. I think you're being a little bit too self-deprecating. I think there's some serious skills going serious on there, too. There's some serious capabilities Absolutely. that you have be able to do that so now you've exploded right in some ways you've got this platform at Pitt, and you can experiment and you can dabble and you have the support right and so talk about what that vision is yeah, we got about a minute before we go to break but oh, we're, we're going to come back we're going to come back and we're okay. going to nerd out more so we're going to talk yeah. more about Pitt and cyborg and, and this curriculum i'll give design. you the teaser before give us the, the break. teaser right. we want to work on the big issues of the day we want to not only have the answers to the questions, but we want to help, help people frame the questions. The goal in my, all of my work as U.S. Attorney was to get in front of the problems and not chase them. We're trying to do the same thing it. at the like university. Proactive in front of it, yeah. not chasing it around. That's from a position of power. We're so honored to have you here. That's really? all I can say, David Hickton. Like I said, we're amongst royalty here when it comes to we getting are. stuff done. That's the way I'm going to say it. And we're coming back with a lot more of it. That's why we had to do two segments on this, because we could practically do an entire show on this. But this is what we're going to do tonight in the we're coming right back after this quick break. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Rousseau. And we are from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. We love helping tech companies succeed. Been doing it since 1983. We're heading up on our 35th year, which is a little bit crazy, of doing doing the good work, trying to do the good work as far as that is. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Go over to Twitter at uh, pghtech, and you can see all the action going on there. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back, everybody. As promised, we're back here with David Hickton. So excited to have you here on the show today, former U.S. attorney. And now running up some cool stuff at Pitt, cyber. I was so excited when I saw that you were doing this because I, 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 I see this as like massive knowledge transfer and knowledge development mm -hmm. when it comes to this type of stuff. It's really what it boils down to. His brain is filled with IP. Exactly. <laughs> and he's taken that to a place where we can really get that to scatter. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just Intellectual saying. property. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay here the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we like making so, our guests feel good here at Tech yeah. Live so, Radio. So let's talk about what the issues are and what we can do, what we can't do, and where you see it now. So for taking it from all your expertise and now being at Pitt. So the treetop issue is we've created an entirely new communications platform that's open, but therefore at risk. Uh, about 25 years ago, about 3% of communications were over the Internet, and today almost all of them are exactly. over the Internet. Exactly, right. And so we created this new platform for transfer of information, but we, it, it went so fast we don't have the rules or the protections to keep up with it. 
And so we're trying to build the plane as we fly it, if you will. So the challenges that I see going forward are how are we going to build increasing opportunity over the Internet with the resiliency and protections to protect our private communications? Because I don't feel we really want to surrender our ability to communicate one-on-one. We don't want to accept the fact that because everything's going to be hacked and available, we have to change the way we talk. And I think we can achieve this, but we just have to develop rules and norms and international understandings because the challenge is not just confined to a state or a country. It's a borderless environment. The Internet has shrunk the world. It's in the palm of your hand now. It is. And I think when you talk about cyber hacking, I think we have to define limits. I mean, there's some people who think you should be able to send a cyber bomb at a hacker. I mean, just think of that environment. Cyber bomb at a hacker. It'd just be out of control. Just out of control. You'd end up blowing up the Internet. You just stop them right then. But at the same time, I think we cannot accept that people can intrude upon our privacy and get into our data uh, without any consequence. So a large part right, of my work right. as an, an enforcer was to increase the cost to the hackers. I think going forward, we have to develop resiliency. That's another big term. You know, Pat Gallagher, before he was chancellor at Pitt, developed a grid for protecting our critical infrastructure. I mean, who among us believes yeah. that it's acceptable that our elections are hacked? And our elections weren't just right. hacked last time. No, it's been going on, right? It's been going on since 2008 at least. Wow. And the solution is not to go back to paper ballots. So one of the things on our menu is a very exciting election project from voter identification that we ought to be able to agree upon. So you're on the you're on the, the things that are of now, the things that are happening right. now. You're right. attacking those issues. Right. I just don't think we can surrender to the the you know the default that we can't protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we have a huge menu of projects in this arena, and I think cyber resiliency is an undercurrent of all of them. Developing international cyber norms is important. And, you know, we don't have really space-age platforms for cyber law enforcement. We're still back in the stagecoach age. So, for example, hmm. mutual mutual cooperation, mutual legal assistance treaties were written for the pre-digital age. There's right. not very good extradition with international partners. I was kind of sort of really out there forcing the limits. We were sending prosecutors to Uganda, oh sending goodness. the right. FBI plane oh. to Cyprus. Oh, my goodness. And uh, they, when they got the call from me in Washington, they said, there he goes again. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was important. My effort was a campaign. I recognized we couldn't do it overnight. But applying law to digital space will protect all Americans. Mm-hmm. And, but we haven't caught up. I mean, that applies to all of technology, right? right? I mean, even in, in terms of what's a monopoly, right? in terms of, you know, yeah. Amazon back in the day might have been thought of as a monopoly, right? But now they have huge market presence. But where the laws don't really apply mm-hmm. yeah, the gap, into the digital age. The gap between we're reminded of the gap between law and technology every day. And I used to have this sort of limerick. I would say, "Let me invite you to the space of dealing with clever adversaries, who have the advantage of hiding in the dark, where the evidence is evaporating." And the technology moves too fast and the law moves too slow. That captures our that's challenge. It. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That, that's where that we are right now. That could be an infographic right now. And so, <laughs> so now you're, you're, you've got this new platform by being at the University of Pitt. And you're building sort of this multidisciplinary new world, convening, making sure that students, and as well as faculty, yeah. sort of understand this and penetrate this into their curriculum. Yes, we want to make Pitt. University and the Pittsburgh region, 
a magnet for people interested in digital space. We want more students. We want more professors. We yep. want more researchers, more investors. All the way around. And we're doing all of this uh, recognizing that we've got to the point where we have a two-lap lead on the rest of the country. And this was true, I think, in the Amazon proposal that was right. submitted. We are really one of the top-tier places for digital space in the country and people are coming to realize that they were surprised before in law enforcement we had no peer the fbi director said we were the tip of the spear of the cyber law enforcement effort really yes that is saying really? so that yeah, in that's... and of itself and you running this program will allow us to attract more interesting i hope so i mean i've been people. a pittsburgh guy all my life i really believe in this region i believe at a special place and I believe we have the advantage, as I said earlier, of being, of being away from Washington. If I were defining what would be the best strategic way to protect our country, I would not have our cyber assets in Washington. Right. I'd have them in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's reminding our listeners, we we're talking to David Hickton, former U.S. attorney and leading up Pitt Cyber. What is Pitt Cyber's uh, website? If people want to check it out, where can they go and learn more? Cyber at Pitt.edu. Okay. Or you can follow us on Pitt Cyber. Very, very cool. So I think this is one of these things that this is going to make Pittsburgh just stand up all the taller as we start moving forward. And to have you here talking about this, I think, is just fantastic. Well, thank you for all the great work you've done. With that, I really yeah. appreciate it. It's yeah. great. I'm very inspired. I've been inspired since um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you, unfortunately, when, that, when everything sort of went down in 2010. Well, that's because we always on. meet for pancakes at Pamela's. <laughs> is that it, where it this has, starts? It has nothing to do that's with That's what me. it is. Our serious well, meetings where we discuss this. Exactly. Really, I thought <laughs> it was somewhere else. Okay. The, the last time you came back from pancakes, you said you got to get Dave on the show. I'm like, absolutely. Two weeks later, David's here. Listen, so. I think that if you're going to talk serious business in Pittsburgh, it ought to be at Pamela's or Permanis. I love it. <laughs> I love Permanis. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership and for the work that you've no, done. Thank you. We and ever... for staying engaged on that. Yeah, you no. could have chosen not to. No, thank you so, very much. So let's look into the future a little bit for, for, for 2018. We've got a few minutes left. Sure. I'm just curious. I mean, obviously there's probably a lot we could cover here, but what is the biggest thing you're thinking about for 2018 in your field when it, when it comes to this? Stuff? I really think it's the election issue. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm very concerned that uh, we're the celebrated democracy in the world. We ought to act like it. Yeah. And the solution is not to go back to paper ballots. And when you talk about the voter ID problem, we ought to be working on voter ID with the idea of full participation, right? not restricting, restricting participation. It, but getting everybody eligible to vote to vote. And when we talk about election integrity, we want to believe that the votes are counted as they were cast, period. We right. ought to be able to achieve that. That ought to be a national ideal, a bipartisan ideal. And uh, I don't think the solution comes from Washington or the tech industry, with all due respect okay. to your constituency. Yeah, no, absolutely. They have an interest in it. We don't. We're interested in democracy for the purpose of preserving our ideals. I love it. And that, I mean, and to think that you're going to be driving this from Pittsburgh, from the University of Pittsburgh, that's awesome. I hope so. All the way around. I hope so. Come on. It's already happening. I don't know. You're tackling some big problems, and we're, we're, we're glad you're on our team. <laughs> that's Thank all you. I can say. Appreciate very, very, very cool stuff. It's really great. Yeah. I mean, Audrey, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I just, I, I see this, and I'm saying to myself, you know, the elections the way they were and what we're finding out and what you're going to find out as more happens i think it's just absolutely it's amazing absolutely amazing stuff and uh yeah so and so pitt's rolling this thing out and so when, once again give us the website one more time just so we can make cyber sure we get at that. pit edu okay fantastic thanks for or stopping follow by. us on twitter twitter pit cyber perfect
another show under our belt. I don't know where it happens. It goes by like that was that was way cool. Fast. I know it's like now we're we're up front to some really amazing amazing stuff, and I just love it because we have this platform to do this every single Friday, Audrey. Yeah, we get to hang out. With the I mean, we have got David coming in here for, for two segments. To say hey, what's going All right. on? Yeah. You know? well. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, if you want to learn more about the Pittsburgh Technology Council, go to pghtech.org. And remind everyone, every single Friday night, you can tune in right here and learn about what's going on with uh, Tech 5 as far as that is. So this has been Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Have an awesome weekend. And David, thanks again for stopping by and hanging out with us tonight. And we'll, we'll call the show. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.